0: Lord's Prayer is the prayer of prayers. It's like the Holy of Holies, King of Kings, it's the prayer of prayers. It's given from the greatest teacher and the greatest prayer that ever worked the planet. And when the boys asked, teach us to pray, he said it. You gotta, there's no way around. you gotta, you got to wrestle with it. When you, when you pray, say, is what our King said. When you pray, say. Now, I don't think he means like I did as a little Methodist boy in southern Illinois and second him. We always stood up predictably and said the Lord's Prayer and droned it out, and the familiarity stole the glory from it. Sorry about that. But it's the most glorious gift of the seven heart values from the Father through the Son to his church. It's, it's in divine order. Father, come in sonship, don't come as orphans. Glory to your name, hallowed be thy name. Government, come kingdom of God, be done, will of God. Bam. Then me. Give me some bread. Help me forgive as I've been forgiven. Protect me from sin and Satan. But I pray for that second set because I start in the first set. It's not only the content of what we say, listen, it's the order of how we say it. It's really important. It's real important. And we're going to do that at the end. You're going to see out of James 4, it's just vital. You start with, give me this day my daily bread, you're gonna pray funky about it. You'll end up worshiping money and doing it for your deal. You got, I, I pray about, give us this day our daily bread best after I've traveled through my sonship in the Father, glory to your name, I wanna live for that, and let your kingdom rule and reign. Oh, and then I need some money, give me some money so I can give myself to those three things. Does that make sense? As opposed to, I wake up, give me some money. I, I got to work my heart through, our little human heart, and you're better at it than you probably were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, of thinking glory of God first, this second. Okay, you do have needs. I'm pro you getting your needs met. But our needs, if they're primary, the anthropological focus, then we're going to the, exalt them to a place they shouldn't be. So the Lord's Prayer. I encourage it. We've got, a, we've got an app. I built it because I feel the Lord has said 100,000 people praying in the state. Same Bible verse every day. We broke the seven themes of the Bible, of the Lord's Prayer, into days. Today is thy kingdom come, thy will be up. Man, we were roaring on that. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. So we got 52 Bible verses on Saturdays. When you pull it up, you'll see a glory to God victory verse. Tomorrow, we love Sunday, our Father in heaven. It's family day, man. Globally, the family's meeting, and we put a bunch of sonship verses within that. So, you'll in it, it's called the Lord's Prayer app. How many of you have it? And I won't judge you. Yes, I'm judging you. No, you don't have to do it. But I think the Lord's Prayer can become the liturgical rhythm of the body of Christ. It's the prayer that everybody knows, but hardly anyone knows. And so, I just want to encourage you, it's free. It's simple, there's a reminder every day at 7.45, it goes off on my deal, and here it comes, the day's theme, so I can agree with thousands of people, and then a Bible verse that we could pray with in the midst of it, because we want to pray the word, okay? So, pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's say it together, just for fun. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On the earth, as it is Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our, as we forgive those who trespass sin do against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, I think, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Your king, from his mouth, gave you that prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the discipleship's. Disciples commissioned to prayer. His prayer's in John 17. That's worth a read. But this is the prayer. And I wanna say this. The only part of the prayer that's repeated by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he'll say, pray in this manner, gives the prayer. Do you know what it is? Which of the seven is repeated? He'll give them the prayer, and then he'll say, so I say to you, if you do not forgive, uh, it's, it's the chlorine in the pool of my dirty heart, part of the prayer. Because many of us are pressing through, revival, big stuff, money, relief, the, and then we got bitterness in our heart towards somebody. And he won't let us go. Forgive me of my sins as So I gotta get to that part and I wrestle it out. Lord, touch him, her, that person, that, the people who've offended me, I lift them up I say, look, give me the grace. I'm doing it again. What's happening? It's me. Here, right here. Yeah. I got to lean in and something happens in my heart in a powerful way as I pray for them. So I just want to encourage you to pray through this. And then lastly, get in front. Lead us not in in temptation is the same way as lead us away from. The, the, The language there is lead me away from. And the root word for temptation is attack. It's an attack. Okay? And deliver me from the evil. In some evil one is there. So it's protection from sin and Satan. Listen, get in front of the warfare. Most of us are talking to God about the warfare after it's over in the backside. I do this with guys about their sexuality all the time. Start talking to God about your sexuality before the temptation comes. Lord, sanctify I know what's coming today. I know it's coming today. I know Delilah's gonna dance again. We pray that you would blah, blah, blah. Make sense? Instead of on the backside, dang it. And this, though, by the way, he receives the dang it. Yep. He loves it when you come to him and dang it. <laughs> Shoot. Ah! I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. He loves it, loves it. Loves you, loves you. But we're talking with him mostly post this happening. Start getting pre- And the Lord's Prayer is a preemptive hit every day. I know sin's coming. I know Satan hates me. Thank you for my protection in Jesus' name. Thank you that you've overcome. Right now, right now, get me ready for the late night hour tonight. For the midday whatever, blah, 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 okay? The Lord's Prayer is such a glorious thing. It's like a track I run on. I run the laps. I actually go to the Y sometimes and I pray. I'll pray the theme, a lap, and I'll hit another one. I'll hit another one. And I pray a bunch of Bible verses within each theme As they carry my heart as the Lord does it. So I just want to encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer. And within the Lord's Prayer, obviously, we've got praying the Word of God. And so John 15, 7, I don't know if anybody knows it, but if you abide in me and my word abides abides in you, what? Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be given to you. The ask whatever I wish is at the end of the sentence because my wishing gets straightened out When he abides in me, and his word abides in me, and I abide in him. I don't wish the same stuff. If you start, some people start at the back end of the verse. He said, I can wish whatever I want and ask whatever I want. Not really. He said, abide in me. Let my word abide in you. And then when I get done, I'm going to reform your wishing. You're going to ask for some stuff, and you're going to get it. So 1 John 5, 16, 17 says that we can have confidence that in this way about prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, we can have confidence we'll have it. I know how you can pray the will of God. Pray the word of God. This this is the greatest prayer so The book of Psalms is a prayer book. That's all it is. You have 150. So anybody says to me, I pray more, but I don't know what to pray. I was like, what are you? I've got 66 books. Full of prayers, promises, and also... Situation. So the David and Goliath thing inspires me in my prayer. I get a little moxie in me praying against some Goliaths of abortion, human trafficking, fear raging on me. You remember? It's Goliath. Are you kidding me? A boy in a loincloth? You're going to, nah, cursing for 40 days, mocking Yahweh's covenant people. And then the prepubescent, or maybe he was pubescent, I don't know. But he comes in. And he starts prophesying, I'm going to, today, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to feed your body to the birds. That was a bold thing to say, before it had ever happened. Prophesying and saying, this is what's going to happen to my Goliath, instead of being the whole army that's under the, the... the you know the this the oppression you know it the voices are coming every day I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna eat up your weak you're not big enough you're gonna fail you're gonna do this again you're gonna do it again is everybody hearing this Goliath voice so I read the David story 1 Samuel 17 it builds moxie in my heart and I go after and I fling a few stones of the word of God Let's go. right at it then there are prayers everywhere. Prayers in the Bible, and I gave you that link last night. Praying that Paul, Paul's prayers has so helped me. I just want to say this about that: Paul not only in nine of his thirteen letters says I'm praying constantly and doing a thousand to one praying to preaching. I said that last night. He's praying way more than he's preaching. He gives us the script of his prayers. That's phenomenal to me. So, by the way, when you read the Book of Ephesians, there are there are statements, truths, and teachings that makes a proclamation. So he'll say in Ephesians two six, we are seated with Christ where. Should you pray to be seated in the heavenly realms? No, you are. If you pray, he'll go, what are you talking about? Ephesians 1.13, having believed, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. To say, Lord, seal me, seal me with the Holy Spirit. He'd There's a ton of prayer going on in the body of Christ that's already done. Because we don't know the, what the difference between what's a fact that I believe and a prayer is what's up for contention. When he's praying, it's something that's not done that has to be battled for. So, give them, Ephesians 1:17, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. You know what that means is, believers can walk without a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let me take you to another one. Ephesians three sixteen seventeen. 17. you got to get this one. I pray. He says, I pray before the Father. about bow my knee. I pray that he would strengthen you with dynamite, dunamis power, where? In your, in your inner, inner man. So Christ would dwell in your heart. You know what that means? The opposite is true. You could be a believer and not have Christ dwelling in your heart. Eh, all my teachers, you should have had red bell. Eh, what did you say doctrinally? I'm not saying he leaves. I'm saying the abiding life's not happening. the word dwell. Believers walk without the dwelling. That's up for contention. You can be seated in the heavenly realms and not having an abiding life, dwelling with the Lord. Because you got weak in the wrong way. There's a good weakness in your flesh that strength depends on him. There's a bad weakness in your inner man. When you get weak in your inner man and you're drained, then the abiding life can't happen. You're distracted. over So we got to labor for it. So the prayers of Paul, there's 40 of them. You can see what he's contending for. We should contend for what he contends for. And then we're hitting the bullseye in what we're doing. Let me do one more story and then let's practice this. Praying the word of God moves heaven, moves earth, moves and, and one of the greatest little x rays we've got of that is in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was probably a teenager when he was taken up, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. So everybody remember this? It's the end of the he's taken up and um, him and Shadrach, Meshach, and I like to say a billy goat. <laughs> My grandma always said a billy goat. I don't know why. A bendigo. They they're up there, probably unicized. That's probably what happened to them. Put in the service of the king, 13, whatever he is, and he lives. And we got this story after story after story. It's not really a really long book. But by the time we get to Daniel 9, he's probably in his 80s. And he's looking at the calendar, and it's, they've been up there about 68, 69 years. And then he is reading through the scroll of Jeremiah. Does anybody remember this? And it says in Daniel 9, 1 through 3, you ought to go look at it. It says, and I understood from the book from Jeremiah, the scroll, the prophecy from Jeremiah that our captivity would only be 70 years. Look at the calendar, looking at the scroll. What? It's about to be there. So, an old 81 year old guy, whatever he is, 80 year old guy, he takes Jeremiah's words, brings them before the throne of God Yahweh, and starts saying, You said 70 years. Daniel 9. He starts engaging Yahweh. You were right. If we did this, we would do it. And bam, everything you said, and we're in captivity, you're right. But you said 70. You said 70, it'll be over. Here we are. We're tick-tocking towards 70. Lord, release your people. Listen, that Daniel 9 and Daniel 10 kind of fold together. When he does that, Gabriel, a high archangel whose position is before the throne of God, comes toward him swiftly. There's a place where it says that he's in prayer, and it says, swiftly, Gabriel was in the room. Wet your pants kind of moment, right? Here comes an angel. What did that sound like? What did it look like? I don't know. But Gabriel's in the room and starts talking to him. 80-year-old guy, all he's doing is praying the the Bible. He's praying the Bible. And angels are moving. Then we go to Daniel 10, and it happens again. But this time, Gabriel moves again. But what happens? He runs into the prince of Persia. Does anybody remember this? That means Iran. That means the demonic stronghold, angel, demonic, whatever, over Iran. He's still there today. Still there today. He meets Gabriel in the spirit realm, resists him. All you got on earth is an old man. He's not talking about angels. He's not talking about anything. He just praying the word, asking for insight, fasting, not, not eating food for 21 days. And there's a war between demonic Gabriel. Gabriel says, boom, go get Michael. Michael comes in, probably with a small battalion of marine angels and they come in and they break through and bam Gabriel gives him the answer so when you pray the word of God I don't know how all this works angels move demons move war is manifesting in the natural realm this also triggers Cyrus who was a king you remember that pagan king to Ezra one start to supply supernaturally for the restoration of the work of God moves a pagan king who by the way does everybody know this Cyrus was prophesied in Isaiah 45, 100 to 150 years before he was born. His very name is in the scroll. Cyrus, my servant. Can you imagine if you're Cyrus and you're 35 or 40 and an old guy comes in and goes, hey, by the way, (laughs) Yahweh talked about you 150 years. There's your name. That would have been a moment. (laughs) That's what happened. He came in and, and then the spirit sovereignly moved Cyrus and starts like, give him all the money. Let him go back. This is the true God. Yes. <laughs> Amen. That's right. yeah. One old guy prayed the Bible. One old guy prayed the Bible. I was at an Indian Hill, uh, I was at a church in town. And it was an older congregation whose average was 60 to 65 years old. There was 50 people in there. And I was like, listen, don't buy the lie that you got to get a bunch of young people in here to have a dynamic kingdom ministry. One old guy praying the word of God can move heaven, earth, and unleash a restoration movement. Y'all don't fall for the lie we got to have some kind of attractional da 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 Just pray the Bible and get the glory of God moving. Does that make sense? You do that. We pray the word. And I've said this this lastly. All these prayer meetings, I've been in thousands of prayer meetings. There's things that don't help prayer meetings. When somebody starts teaching you Lord, just thank you so much. And how the Greek in Ephesians 1.3 means da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you're hearing a sermon, and Yahweh doesn't need the sermon. And he's, they're actually talking to us. And I get it, but they're worked up. and Like, don't talk to, don't teach me, don't preach, pray. And then let me add my amen to it. Or somebody starts going off about politics. And and, and, I, and I pray for leaders. I pray for Biden. I'm praying for our country and the judgment we are under right now because of our leaders. Anyway, um, I do that. But when but but if I go off and help the election and do that, and you know how he's and that that it just grieves the meeting. Yeah. Or somebody starts gossiping. Bless Sally because you know what a stinker she. You know what I mean. Yeah. You never feel the spirit rise in you. No. But when somebody. When you're moving along and they go And Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. The room comes together. Zechariah 4.6. Or somebody quotes a Bible verse of any kind. The word of God has been the greatest help to, to prayer meetings to me. In all the years since the 90s and what I'm doing. And I think it's the greatest help. Because listen, this is the phrase. When the people of God pray the word of God. By the spirit of God. In the name of God. To God they get a move of God. Anybody want to hear that again? Because I'd like to say it again. (laughs) When a child of God prays the word of God by the spirit of God in the name of God, Jesus, where? To God, the Father. I got the Trinity in there. Did you see it? Then they get a move of God. It's just... So the Bible is the script of the heart of God. So we want to discern the heart in the moment. What's God saying to Joseph? What's he doing? To, you know, I mean, we're discerning. That's true. But for sure, you've got the script of the soul and the heart of God right here. So we're going to practice it. We're going to practice praying the Bible right now and singing the Bible. And, um, and I think what's gonna, it's going to just stir and move your heart, I believe, as we pray it over one another. So would you all go to 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to practice. Verse 9. Why not verse 4? As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. There it is again, the house of prayer. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice. Jump to 9. But you, believers, are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Listen to the number of things. Your chosen race, your royal kingly priest, your holy nation, you're a people for his ownership that you may do this. That's why you're these things, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, everybody was not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received it. Two verses there, 9 and 10. I want you to take these Bible verses. and This is lab time. Everybody has to play. You came to the conference. I want you in twos or threes to pray that Bible verse specifically over the person you're with. Right? You with me? So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that by redemption you've made Wesley a chosen Race. he's part of the chosen race he's part of abraham's race thank you that he's a royal priest whether he knows it or not he's kingly priest so everything in him that keeps him back far would you break through you see what i'm doing here he is part of your inheritance lord you made wesley's mouth to proclaim the excellencies of your glory let bless his tongue bless his heart and let him speak the word of god in power wesley's not in darkness he's in light you with me you can do this. I want you to pray, but I really want you to put the harness or the bit in your mouth of the Word of God. Stretch yourself, apply it, but say the words of the Scripture. Have your phone or your Bible near you, but we're going to practice right now. There's a whole session to go, and I'm going to do it really fast. Because I, I got to say it or I'm not being responsible. Um, when I, there's how we praise by the Spirit, by the Word. But listen, the motives of our heart are essential. Session five. And there's multiple, but the two I feel commissioned to proclaim to the church are these. Purity and joy. Purity of prayer and joy. Now, let me read an intense passage to you about purity. James cuts to the heart of purity in the prayer to the Lord. You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain. So you fight in your quarrel. Here's the phrase. You do not have because you do not ask. So I guess then, if I just start asking, everything's okay, right? Not according to Dr. James. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Ugh, you adulterous people do not... Do you not know that friendship with the world is being an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We're talking about prayer life. This shocked me as a prayer guy that my prayer life could be spiritual adultery and could be taking up arms against God. How does that happen? Is that I'm asking, but I'm asking to spend it on my own pleasures. Pride, selfishness can infect our prayer life. That's why the Lord's prayer is so important. It's why body life is so important. It's why humility, it's why glory to God-centeredness is so important. I don't want to make everybody reflex here at the end. I'm going to end on joy and whoop, 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 we'll go, okay? But I got to say this because there's whole streams that have perfected, and I don't want a critical spirit, and God will work this out, but have packaged some of these principles so you can get what you always wanted to get yeah. in the first place. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be whatever. I'm telling you, the word of God was not given to you in its promises, so that would be affected. He might make you rich. I'm not anti that. He might even make you famous. I'm not anti but if it's But only if it's in service to the glory of the Lord. Oh, yeah. So, 10 years ago, I'm sitting in my living room, Tuesday, afternoon, I'm rocking, praying, and I have a vision, again, not a movie screen, inside my heart. Some people heard me tell this story. It's the worst thing I could ever tell you about me. This is the worst thing. I have a picture of billions of people on the planet, globally, looking toward Jerusalem, Jesus is on his throne. It's a pretty picture, Every head is perfectly straight toward the throne. I'm up over the top of it. I look down, I see my little head. It focuses in on my head, and my head goes like this. This way, and then that way. And this question spontaneously, is he going to get it all? <laughs> and it was just the end to it. I was like shocked. I knew in my heart I was good with him getting 97, 98%. But I knew 1% to 2% of me had made this thing happen globally. Is he going to get it all? It was the most grievous thing I'd ever seen about myself. I went and told my wife in the dining room. I walked out, I got up, and went in. I go, Amy, I just saw this deal, and I saw my head. Is he going to get it all? My wife, who's heard me confess every sin that there is, probably, has been my sister in the Lord and extended mercy to me, did this. I'm standing there, she she goes like this, steps back from me, You better take care of that. (laughs) Like lightning was gonna strike in our dining room. (laughs) And she was the appropriate response. It was the worst thing I'd ever told her. It was anarchy in my heart. I wanted some of the glory that was due to him. I've I've battled with that my whole life. I'm doing it right now. I'm saying Frank, you're all listening to me. I'm at a crossroads right now at this very moment about whether I get identity, because you guys, some of you have been super nice, said super nice things to me about the teaching. Now, now I gotta decide, am I gonna savor that and get identity from this? Or am I gonna, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a weird thing. This is weird. But it's not just here. It's everywhere we are. And so this is what I think he's talking about. Is I need a purity around here because I, I, I was praying for one of the conferences, like a couple, I think I was up at Morningstar, and I was praying on a Saturday, Lord bless, anoint this morning. And I felt him go, I hear your prayer, do you want that to bless them or for them to be impressed with you? And I was like, I had to pause. I know the right answer. I know the right answer, but I've many times prayed, Lord, anoint this meeting, anoint my, and I wanna bless y'all, but I don't mind you being a little impressed too. Is everybody okay? Now you know how to pray for me. Because Amy and I have honor issues of longing for honor, and it's, uh, it's a defiling thing within my hour slash hearts, and I think the Lord is wanting to kind of deal with leadership, and I did this up at Word of Life, and Robert Tola grabbed the mic, and he just went off about just how much he struggles, and he goes, I sometimes don't even want to stand that pulpit. It was right after I did this thing. He said, I don't know why I want to stand that pulpit because of what I thought last night, what I thought that an hour before, what I thought while I was walking up to the podium thinking, I'm not worthy to be up here, and he just went off about it all, and then he said, but here's the deal. God's not found one person worthy except Jesus Christ. He uses broken, weak people. So I get back up on the stage and I start going. <laughs> but he grabs some, some humility and authenticity to say, listen, we're all struggling. Let's be real about that. And let's be careful about this pride that gets in our hearts and that wants to manipulate and use God to get what our flesh always wanted in the first place. And so he's changing our hearts in that. And I just wanted to put that before you, not as a sober, make you question everything you pray. Don't do that. That's not my big deal. But I do want you You got to think about it because this will run crazy without that. So just take that passage and meditate on it, joy in prayer. In Isaiah 56, 7, he said, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. I want to say this phrase, God is serious about your joy. Read Deuteronomy 28 with me, please. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking and everything. It's going to be bad. It's going to be intense. What was the indictment against not serving the Lord? Was the indictment here from Yahweh toward Israel, because you didn't serve the Lord, you're going to get judgment. No, what was it? You didn't serve God with He's not okay with begrudging service, begrudging churching, begr- because you. God is serious about joy. He's serious about it. Like, he wants the infusion. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. I Because y'all didn't serve me in joyfulness and gladness, I just, I just want to encourage you to continually take a little bit of a check your joy meter inside of how do you... So the the one who wrote the most about rejoicing was a guy in prison. Prison, Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. All us old people know what that song is. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say always. And then the couplet, the triad in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. The sandwich... The prayer sandwich, that's the meat of the deal, pray without ceasing, is rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. This is incumbent upon us to labor for and to work for. And for you to be able, I wish this was to be part of our confession. We confess some things, you know, sometimes we don't, but it's dark things. But I think we need to confess when we have a begrudging heart that's not joyful. Like, I I need you to know, I, I love the Lord, I just don't, I really don't feel joy. We need to confess that to each other. Like it's kind of like it's a plague. Like I know that's not right. I mean, he's resurrected. I'm going to live forever. And I'm so down and despondent today, which by the way, it's okay. Don't feel guilty about being despondent, but fight the battle of getting the joy back. You don't think right without joy. You don't think right without Thanksgiving. You just don't. And so the great proponent of joy was a guy in prison suffering who had been beat. Read what happened to him, stoned and all that kind of stuff. He's the proponent of joy. Meaning, circumstances are not required for you to be joyful. You don't have to respond, because that's happiness. Happiness responds to circumstances, right? Praise God, I like it, being happy. But joy can rejoice right in the middle. The disciples got beat in the book of Acts, and they return rejoicing that they'd been counted worthy to suffer for the name. That's a different species on the planet. And so you can rejoice for everything happening happened in your life right now. And I don't, I don't mean this is obligatory whatever. I'm just saying it's incumbent on you. God's not saying he'll do that for you. It says don't let your be heart be troubled in uh, John 14, 1 and 2. that He's not saying I'll help, I'll, I'll make your heart not be troubled. He's saying you, you need to not let your heart be troubled. That's our responsibility. It really is. The Holy Spirit produces the incumbent joy, but it's our responsibility to receive that. And so I want to just thank the Lord for a minute here. I just thank the Lord... That I'm alive and that he rose from the dead, that death is conquered and eternal life has already started in me. In the midst of my getting older body in front of you, I am, praise God that I'm being renewed inwardly day by day. I praise, praise, praise the Lord. Though my family is not where I want it to be in its fullness, some things I still want, and it's a bummer, I rejoice in the Lord that the story's not over. It's not over. It's never over, it's just another chapter. This, he's going to end this story and it's going to be awesome. I rejoice in the Lord. Anybody else want to rejoice? Anybody want to say something you're thankful for? Just give little phrases. I'm thankful for. Say it. For my life. I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for Joseph's humility. Thankful for Joseph's humility. Thank you for Jeremy's obedience. Thank you for, Jeremy's obedience. Yeah. Thank you for calling out of, the Thank you for, out of the darkness, into wonderful light. What? Oh, sister, little, little brother, love. That's awesome. <laughs> thankful, 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 thankful. Um, it really takes intentionality to stay thankful. Because there's no way around, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. There's going to be pain. This, you don't do this and then pain doesn't come. I, that's been my delusion. Oh, so if I get thankful enough and to pray, then I'll keep the bad. Yeah, not really. I mean, that's Paul. Ask Paul if that's true. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Bam, bam, beat, 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 beat. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Stone, stones, beat with sticks. It's not a formula to keep from suffering. Suffering is part of this age. It's actually the, the platform on which we have our most powerful testimonies. It actually is. Yeah, the cross is the worst thing that ever happened on the planet. It's the best thing that ever happened on the planet. It was the most, it's suffering. It's death. It's in a tomb. But that tomb breaks open one day. Every grave, Right? Every tomb will become a womb in Christ Jesus, even yours, even yours, because this thing ends up in resurrection. And so we intentionally got to work, work, work to satiate our lives and our prayers with joy. So that's why the prayer ends. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. You win, you win, you win. That's why I don't like any prayer meetings except by saying, Lord, thank you that you've heard us. Thank you that you're answering. I have no idea about your schedule. And you can be honest, most of the time it frustrates me. That won't be new news to him. But you're faithful and you're always on time and you have a 100% record with me to this date. 100%. Great is your faithfulness. Okay? And so you've got to intentionally work for the joy and work for that purity that happens at the heart level. Amen. That was a conference. Father God, thank you in the name of Jesus for what you've done among us in this room. Little tiny moments that we pray get legs and go viral. May this, what happened in this room get legs and go viral. In our homes, to the rest of the church, tomorrow morning when Aaron and I are preaching, we're just asking for anointing for hundreds more. We're praying for the body of Christ, 100,000 people, 200,000 in the city. We pray make us the house of prayer. A place, that's a church that's dialoguing with you is moving forth in your power and your glory.